Welcome to 12 Scholars, a brand new podcast dedicated to personal development. In this first series, we meet 12 inspiring people, all with a bias for being proactive. To learn more about personal development and how you can take your performance to the next level, visit our website and click the button to subscribe. In this week's show, we meet Jeff Liberman. Jeff is a successful businessman with a track record in growing businesses and helping others become successful too. You know, you have to push yourself if you want to be a champion in anything. You've got to, you've got to go that extra mile. I would live my life by a, a short 10 two-word saying, which is, if it is to be, it is up to me. Liberman, yeah. Liberman. It's not got an E in it. A lot of people say Lieberman, but... Liberman. It's just that there's a gynecologist called <laughs> Lieberman. <laughs> Definitely not a gynecologist. Jeff is the perfect guest for 12 Scholars. He's passionate about personal development and has spent a lifetime teaching others. Jeff's story is one from rags to riches. From growing up in a council house in Prestwich, North Manchester, he's travelled the world and now lives in the leafy suburbs of Hale, near Altrincham. One of the things that differentiates Jeff from his early peers was how he studied successful people and businesses, long before it was fashionable to call it entrepreneurship. He started his first business aged 25 and over the past three decades has built and sold many businesses. Today, he's co-founder and director at RDS, a specialist in helping companies reinvest their finances. So in this episode, we visit Jeff to discuss being proactive and what he's learned by studying successful people. Before we talk about your backstory, I recently learned that we both went to the same high school. We did, yeah. Perhaps you could describe what it was like going to Hayes Boys School in the 1960s. It was fantastic, actually. Uh, really enjoyed it. Had lots of friends there. I enjoyed learning. I wasn't great at certain subjects, but I was good at maths. Wasn't a great sports person or in English so long ago. It's probably, you know, 50 years ago now. So, um, but yeah. And how would you describe family life growing up? It was, again, very happy. We were poor. We lived in a two-bedroom council house and there was five children so there was myself and my three brothers so four boys in two sets of bunk beds and my sister in a single bed and my mum and dad in the other bedroom but we never looked at ourselves as being poor you know we all got on very well we were a very loving family I remember our treat back then was staying up on a Friday night watching Bonanza and I think we used to get a tube of uh, Round Trees fruit gums that was our highlight of the week but but yeah, they were good times. Tell me, what were you doing outside school? Because I know your parents had a passion for dancing at the time. They did. My father was in the RAF, so they always wanted to dance. So we all started learning to dance at a very young age. I was probably four or five. And I ended up being good at it and I enjoyed it. So um, I competed in the world championships and came fifth there. I used to go to competitions every weekend. And I think it taught me a lot of discipline as well. It taught me a lot of social skills, communicating, because again, I was very young back then. And, um, you know, a lot of the classes, they were adults and things, but it does teach you certain disciplines. I think that's the thing. I used to go four or five nights a week and then at the weekend dancing competitions. I was in 
come dancing a couple of times on television representing the Northwest. That's probably my claim to fame. What did you do after school then, after your school days? After school, I actually started working. Boutiques were just opening. So for a short time, I, uh, when I was 15, I left school at 15. I started working in a boutique in Manchester called Pygmalia. And then I started working at another boutique called Jeffrey's. And then I got a job in a dance school. It was an American franchise called Arthur Murray's. And I was teaching dancing there for 10 years. And then I got my own dance school in Altringham. And then I partnered up with a Canadian gentleman and an American gentleman and ended up with four dance schools, two in London, one in Birmingham and one in Manchester. How did you go from the dance schools through to where you are today? And what are the kind of the key themes throughout? Well, I think... You know, again, with the dancing, when I started teaching, you you learn a lot of teaching skills. You know, you understand about patience, giving recognition, encouraging people. I've taught people to dance that have been blind, that have been deaf. One of the things that I've learned over the years is um, somebody can have a lot of natural ability, but if they've not got the desire, they won't be as good as somebody that maybe doesn't have that much natural ability, but they've got a strong desire to learn to dance or anything, I think, in life. And it's those people, if, if the people have got the desire, then I think, you know, and I think there's a lot of skills learned from teaching anything that you can pass on to business to teach people to help them employ themselves and run their own business really. And looking back, why do you think personal development was so important to you? I remember at a very young age when I was in the dance school, we used to be taught, again, it was an American, I think they were quite ahead of us on all this uh, personal development stuff. And they used to talk about the conscious mind of the subconscious. And, you know, if somebody came into your house and threw a, a garbage can with a load of rubbish in your living room, you wouldn't like it. And you've got to protect your subconscious mind that people don't come and give you a lot of negatives and that you can't do this and it's not going to work and you're not good enough and you come from a council house and you know I had all these things go and get a proper job when I started my own business and you're going to have this little guy that protects your subconscious mind for what he lets into your subconscious I think and I learned that probably you know in my late teens early 20s and it was just something that fascinated me about personal development goal setting time management yeah uh, giving recognition encouraging people I have all my diaries so the children can look through what the dad did, you know, and in there at the front of each of my diaries, I've got all my goals written down each year. And so you can look back 10 years and you can see what you've achieved. And I'm a strong believer. And if, if you see and believe it, you can make it happen. And how often would you open those diaries and revisit them? Every day. Every day I would be, back then we didn't have uh, online um, calendars or on our phones. So the uh, Collins A4 diary and it's, you know, I was always taught that use a pencil because things can change. So it, it gets messed up if you do pen and then you've got to start using Tipex. So I, I use my diary every day. I work by my diary. That was the way that I suppose I looked at it like there was a Jeff 1 and Jeff 2, a little bit of a schizophrenic there. But kind of Jeff one was the boss and Jeff two worked for Jeff one. And the way that Jeff one, the boss checked on Jeff two was what he'd done in his diary. How many phone calls has he made? How many appointments has he sat on? How many meetings has he had, et cetera, et cetera. So I could look through the diary and it was always, um, you know, it was a double page that I could see the whole week and I couldn't look and either give myself a pat on the back or a kick up the backside, whichever was needed. 
You describe yourself as a normal everyday person that just went that extra mile and fed your mind with the right information that gave the power to make massive action for a few years. What's your earliest memory of going that extra mile? I think you taught that at a very young age when I was in the dancing, you know, you had to go flat out. You know, you might be, when you're dancing at Blackpool in the championships, you could be, you know, you dance about four mile an hour and it's, you know, you've got tail suits on and all these clothes and you're hot and you're tired and you're, you know, you have to push yourself. If you want to be a champion in anything, you've got to, you've got to go that extra mile. So I think I learned that uh, basic skill in the dancing. And I think, I think it's the same in business, really. If you're willing to go the extra mile for your clients, for your customers, for your staff, for your employees, then what goes around comes around. And I think they'll go the extra mile for you. I think I remember Zig Ziglar once said that there was a, a horse race and it was so many inches I don't know let's say it was 750,000 inches this horse race and sometimes the winner the difference between first place and second place you could win a million dollars or pounds at first place and second place you might get 50,000 but the difference could be just a short nose so it could be just one inch so to me going that extra mile is it's just that one inch that can make the difference in a horse race of many many furlongs. What do you precisely mean by taking massive action for just a few years? Well, you know, in my mind, I think if you take no action, you get no results. If you take a little bit of action, you get a little bit of results. If you take massive action, you get massive results. So to me, if you're starting a business and you think, well, do we do trade shows? Do we do online marketing? Do we use LinkedIn? Do we use Facebook? Do we go to meetings at uh, social meetings like maybe the Chamber of Commerce or BNIs or those things? To me, just do everything. You know, you just don't know. The more you do and the more no's you get, the more yeses you get. My goal was to get so many no's every week because I knew the more no's I got, the more yeses I got. That's a skill in itself to your handling rejection. What sort of skills did you teach yourself about how to handle those no's before you got those yeses? Well, I always think it's the same, you know, for me, it's a one in three rule. You know, if you talk to 10 people, three will seriously listen to you and one may take action. I didn't focus. It didn't depress me. It didn't. It was just part of the journey to success. You know, you've got to go through those. If you want to run a marathon, you've got to go through those pain barriers. If you want to be a champion, it doesn't matter in anything that you do. If you want to be a champion, you've got to go through those pain barriers and each time you know, it's like going to the gym, I suppose. If you've not been to the gym for a while and you start going to the gym and you start lifting weights, you'll go home that night and your arms are lake and your legs are lake and your back are lake. And then you force yourself to go again a couple of days later when you've had time to recuperate and it's not so bad, the pain afterwards. And then, you know, you go again the third time in the week and all of a sudden you think, oh, well, this is not so bad. And then the next week, you want to go to the gym, you enjoy it. But in the beginning, it's painful. And I think it's the same as getting those no's. In the beginning, it's painful. But once you get in a rhythm and you know that if you get 10 no's in a week, you're going to get three yeses. Hey, let's get those no's. I've lived my life by a, a short 10 two word saying, which is if it is to be, it is up to me. So, you know, you've got to get the no's. You're not going to get all yeses in anything that you do. You mentioned Zig Ziglar as one of the inspiring people. Mm. Uh, Who else has inspired you along the way? 
Brian Tracy, Jim Rowan, Wayne Dwyer, Anthony Robbins. I mean, there's many, you know, I've got a couple of bookcases that back then it was tape cassettes. I've got probably about 50 different tape cassettes from different people. I've got maybe 150 books on personal development, time management, goal setting, overcoming objections, all those kind of things. I think um, Alan Pease is very good. He was somebody that I learned a lot from. Yeah, lots of different people, really. And when you look at uh, Brian Tracy, listening to him on the tapes or Jim Rohn, what sort of lessons do these people teach you at the time? I think when sometimes if you listen to these tapes or if you read a book, you might just get one thing out of it. But, you know, that one thing is, you know, it's a, a golden nugget or a diamond. So I think one of the things I got from... Jim Rowan was a thing called Sinaloa. That taught me about numbers, really. Sinaloa is safety in numbers and the law of averages. And I think I really got to understand that maybe the second or third time that I listen to the audio and that's where I got to this well I've got to speak to you know 14 15 people a day to get two or three yeses kind of thing and you know it is safety in numbers and the law of averages you know numbers never lie they are what they are and some of these books are now several decades old and you know you say you were listening to tapes mm. how relevant would you say these people are or those kind of audio tracks are today in today's world Massively, yeah. Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, that was a great book at the time when I read it. I used to look at, I used to spend a lot of time in the car. So, you know, my uh, philosophy was when I was in the car, that was like my university. So I was constantly listening, probably for two or three years. When I say this two or three years, you know, maybe some people think that I was obsessed or I was brainwashed. But, you know, if I'm going to be brainwashed to become better, to set goals, to help others, to grow, then I don't mind being brainwashed. I'm not being brainwashed to do something that's detrimental to people. So for probably two or three years, whenever I was in the car, I didn't listen to the radio. I just listened to personal development stuff all the time at home. Again, I think it was Brian Tracy or maybe Zig Ziglar that said, you know, if you can just read for half an hour a day, you know, it's a small amount of time. But if you just read half an hour a day, every day, you know, you'll read a book probably a week. So in a year, you could read 52 books. And I think I did that. I read half an hour, whether it be first thing in the morning, or last thing at night. It's like they say, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. It's not an apple every other day. It's not an apple three times a week. It's an apple a day. And if you read personal development books and you're prepared to do it for a couple of years, just half an hour a day, you'll, you'll go through maybe uh, 50 to 100 books from some of the people that really understand this stuff. And for anyone starting out today, is there any particular book or person you would advise them to go to first or, or to study first? You know, if they're coming straight out of school, it might be different. But if somebody's kind of been out of um, school or university or college for a while, I think one of the... There's a few books that made a big impact on me. One of them is called Rhinoceros Success. And that's... Uh, 
um, a brilliant book. It talks about these rhinos that are very rare and these cows and there's lots of them. It's very basic, got pictures in it. It's probably an hour's read. It made a big impact on me. I think Being Happy, that's a great personal development book. It's an Australian author and he puts everything into, uh, in a nutshell kind of thing. He rounds every paragraph out. And again, there's images in that because I think pictures speak a thousand words. So in both those books, the really good basic personal development books I think is Eat That Frog you know that's a great book you know get the things out of the way and that's one of the skills as well as being successful I think get the thing the things that you don't like doing get them out of the way at the beginning of the day then you can really look forward to the rest of your day with a positive mind rather than you know if you've got a couple of phone calls that you don't want to make and leaving them to the end of the day they're always there in your subconscious all day long and you're not performing probably at your best so I always do the things that I'm not looking forward to let's put it that way at the beginning of the day I don't have problems either. I have challenges and challenges are there to overcome. So I, I never, never will have a, a problem. I only have challenges. And I think that's a good mindset to have. So these are the successful people you've studied over the years. Mm. What have you picked up from business and how do your know, businesses succeed? I think it's the same, a lot of the same stuff, really, going the extra mile. You know, it's the little things, you know, having a donut Friday when it's payday and just bringing all donuts in so the staff know that day they're going to get paid. Taking the staff out and going out for lunch with them and looking after your people, focusing on the small things, you know, it's that... I know I say one inch, I suppose it should be a centimetre that can make all the difference, you know. So I have a thing about, it's called the three H's, happiness, harmony and health. Those are the three most important things in life. And if you've got happiness, harmony and health in a business and your team, then you're going to have a successful business. The money will come and the customers and the rewards if you've got that happiness, harmony and, and health. What can our listeners or readers do today that will help them achieve more? I think, you know, set your goals. You know, if you want to change your business or if you're starting a business or you want to increase the size, you know, just set your targets and goals. I think sometimes... If you wait for everything to be perfect, you'll never get started. I think that's one of the things that I learned as well. You know, you've got to start with what you have and the tools will come along as you develop and you grow. You'll find different ways. I think the other thing as well, you can only do so much for people. It's a balance. I learned at a very early age as well. If you give a man a crutch, you'll make him a cripple. So, you know, help people. And, you know, sometimes if people are lazy and they want you to do it for them, you know, that's not going to help them grow really so there is a fine balance there great so if i can ask you a few final questions jeff for me yeah of course what would you say is your most proactive time of day it used to be night time but not anymore because i uh, go to bed earlier i wouldn't say that i have a most productive i think i'm you know i'm pretty productive all the time really consistent throughout the day yeah interesting yeah Yeah. would you have a, a least proactive time of day Probably when I was younger, um, in my 60s now, but when I was younger, probably the mornings, because I used to work very late. Whereas probably now I want to relax in the evening. So probably, yeah, I, I don't work 17 hours a day anymore, but I did when I was building the businesses. It wasn't work to me, you know, I enjoyed it. It was a pleasure. It was, uh, once you've got a business and you're getting it on a roll, it's it's fantastic. Yeah. 
And what sort of advice would you give for anyone who's wanting to overcome that procrastination and actually get on with things? That's probably the biggest uh, challenge for people. Read the book, Eat That Frog, I think. That's a good book to start with. But you just... I used to talk to people about the 10 ton phone because sometimes it's very difficult for people to pick up the phone. You know, it's hard because that's a lot of the reasons why people procrastinate. But, you know, it's something you've just got to overcome that. You've just got to do it and just realize that, you know, you're going to get no's. And that's all it is, really, people's fear of rejection. But that's okay. Every champion has had rejection at some point on their way to becoming a champion. And, you know, to become a champion in business, that's just part of the process. So you've just got to, you know, use a diary, put things in your diary. And if you don't do it that day, have a have a Jeff one and a Jeff two and give yourself a kick up the backside if you procrastinate and give yourself a bit of a bad time. But then give yourself a pat on the back when you don't procrastinate and you do the things that you say you're going to do, you know, and treat yourself. Brilliant. Well, thank you, Jeff, for being with us on 12 Scholars. Some really interesting insights that we can all take. Certainly I'll be taking back with me and wish you all success for all the years to come. Thank you. And uh, yeah, thanks for asking me on board. And I hope this helps. Even if it helps one or two people, then uh, that that will be fantastic. Hopefully it'll help more. Excellent. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you. That was Jeff Liberman, one of those people who just talks common sense. In this episode, we'll learn more about being proactive and how you can become more successful by studying successful people. Jeff's advice is to protect your subconscious mind by learning how to handle rejection and negative talk. Take massive action if you want to see massive results. Go the extra mile for other people as what goes around comes around. Start reading half an hour a day every day and Jeff left us with his saying if it is to be it's up to me to learn more about Jeff and meet other inspiring people visit our website at 12scholars.com and join a tribe dedicated to personal development That was a 12 Scholars podcast. If you liked the episode, be sure to tell one of your friends. My name is Bob and I look forward to joining you next time.